And we call that sin speaking, speaking against and judging one another. And really it's speaking and judging the royal law of God. So we cover that. And in James chapter 4, if you turn there, verse 11, that verse tells us what we talked about, which is do not speak against one another, brethren. He who speaks against a, against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. So that sums up basically what we covered in that uh, part. We, we talked about also about um, James chapter 3, verse 9. We mentioned that, and we said that uh, our tongue, sometimes we will bless the Lord and, and God, our Father, uh, with our tongue, and also we will curse men who are made in the, in the likeness of God. And we shouldn't do that. And we said that instead of, and that word bless means to, uh, in the Greek word is uh, really like, uh, it's two words. It's, it's like the eulogy in our English language, but it's not eulogy, it's eulo, like, like um, I, I guess it's, it's like logos, okay, with the EU on it. So uh, that word, you means to speak well as well or good and logos is words and so you put it together it means to speak well words you know good words over people and so in, in funerals we talked about when you eulogize people you speak well of them uh, regardless of how they are and we said that God tells us to bless people rather than curse them now we also said that we know that even though we say we're going to bless people to curse us, we, we know that it doesn't mean that we're going to go around speaking uh, just uh, all how nice they are. And, and we're going to really do what, what the scripture says is that we'll pray for them. We'll pray God's blessings on them. That's what it means to bless. Pray God's blessing on them. Pray that God would intervene in their lives and, and, and uh, uh, do what only he could do in their lives. Because all of us needed prayer and all of us still need prayer. Also, we said that in Matthew 18, uh, starting in verse 15, uh, because some people think that, well, I don't want you to judge me. Don't judge me, you know. Uh, uh, the body of Christ is not supposed to judge each other. Well, the word means and says don't judge uh, one another, but it means don't condemn one another. It does not mean that you can't go to a person and talk to them in private. And that's what Matthew 18, uh, starting in verse 15, says that if, if someone, if someone, if you have a fault against someone, you go to them. You know, you go to them in private. And if you have a fault against them, that word fault against means that you have something that they have done, uh, to, uh, they might have said something against you. They might have done something. You might see that they are sinning in some way. Uh, you don't talk about it to other people. You go to them privately and you can, what they call re reprove them. You can uh, uh, speak a kind word of, of uh, encouragement to them. That's a, that's a good word. Encouragement to them to straighten up and do right. Okay? Uh, so we, we, we say you can, you can do that. But you can also rebuke a person. 
Just because it says don't judge somebody don't mean you can't rebuke them, you know. And to rebuke somebody, that, that, that's now a more stronger term than just to reprove somebody, okay. Um, and you can also really, uh, what we call, really warn somebody also because they are really in sin. And you, you go to them privately and you warn them. So what you're doing, brother, what you're doing, sister, is going to lead to destruction for your life. It's going to lead to destruction for other people's lives. It is not right, you know. So if, if he really meant that you can't judge one another, of course, uh, John the Baptist would, would, would be in sin, wouldn't he? Because he surely judged, uh, or he, he, he rebuked, let's say, um, uh, the, the, the ruler for having his brother's wife. Did he not? And so, so we know we can, we can go to a person in private and talk to them about those things and show them they're false. So please don't, don't uh, think that what we've been teaching, don't speak against and don't judge, means that you can't go to them and you can't correct them. You can't uh, rebuke them. You can't demolish them. You, can, you can't do that. Yes, I do that all the time in counseling. I, I warn people, you know. And so that, that's, that's very important. But I also encourage people. I also have a way for, for them to, uh, and to work with them to improve because I know that's what people are doing with me. So do we clearly understand now that we're not going around and say, hey, you know, what you said, just because I'm in sin and you tell me I'm wrong, that's wrong. Because the word said that you shouldn't judge somebody. You know the word doesn't say that. Is that correct? The word just says you don't condemn them. Okay? But it does mean that you're going to, you are going to try to correct them. Because if you, if you don't try to correct somebody, you are irresponsible. Okay? There's no need to have somebody come up here and dedicate their child to the Lord. And we say, well, uh, the congregation and all of you have a part in this now also because you will see the child and you want to be able to correct the child too because he needs to see, or she needs to see, uh, uh, that everybody cares about him. It takes a whole family, uh, relatives include, to, to bring up children the way they should. See? No need to even say that if you're not going to have any part in it. You're going to let people just sin and let people just do what they want to do. You're going to let people, like children, walk all over the seats and, and, and jump all, all the, and you say nothing. Because, oh, he says, don't, don't judge, don't speak against them. No, uh-uh. No, we're going we're gonna to get on their case, you know. We're going to make sure that they behave themselves, and we have to do the same thing to one another. Okay? Now let's go to the next sin. That's found in, in verse 13. Let's look at it. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet, you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Let's stop there. Now here he's, he's, he's addressing Another type of pride. This type of pride doesn't have to do with, uh, you know, talking against somebody or anything like that. It's a different type of pride. This pride is a person who really plans without God. 
plans without God. You see, they said that, come now. You who say to, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Where is God in this? He's letting them know you have to include God in every single thing that you do. You're going to have to include God. Come now. When it says come now in verse 13, that means to behold, to, to consider. I want you to consider you who say. See, no one has assurance that they are going to survive until tomorrow. None of us. Now, we, can, we, we may think we're young, we're uh, vibrant, you know, we, we, we're okay, you know. We're not 99 years old yet, you know. So we got a long life to live, so we do what we want to. And when we go to the nursing home, if, if somebody sends us to the nursing home, uh, then we'll start thinking about doing right, thinking about God. No, everything that we do, we're going to think about God, and we're going to put God in it because we have no assurance that we're going to make it to tomorrow. When they were planning for a year, and they were planning on doing this and doing that, let's go to another scripture, and let's share a little bit about sometimes when people were doing that. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 7, verse 5, 18 and 20. And this is a, um, it's different, but it still has in it what we're talking about, that, that they did during this time, they did make plans in business, and they did go places. See, because when they made plans, they don't—they didn't have the modern days of tra- modern ta- times of transportation like we have now. They didn't—they don't have all these, you know, uh, nice vehicles, these uh, vans and trucks, and, and and driving all over the highways from from New York to uh, Florida uh, to take uh, pro- produce and things like that. They didn't have grocery stores and all like that. They had to sell their their goods, and uh, that's what they did. In, in Africa, when I, when I was there, they would, they would uh, be standing on the side of the road. They'd be walking different places trying to sell their goods and get back home in time to have something to eat. Because if they didn't sell anything, they didn't eat. Well, see, this type of uh, uh, day and time here, what they were doing is they would load the dunkers up there, go to different places, uh, business or trade, some of these cities near the harbor and things like that, near water where people came. And they'll try to sell the goods, and it took a long time because you're traveling. you gotta, you got to drag this dunker with you with all this produce and stuff like that. So it took a long time. So here we see a situation where it says that, Words of wisdom, in Proverbs, you know, words of wisdom. Uh, you, need to, you need to understand Proverbs and read the words of wisdom because it says that they may keep you from the adulteress, from the foreigner who flatters with her words. Come, she says, let us drink our fill of love until morning. Let's delight ourselves in caresses. For the man, and it's talking about her husband, is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. Well, see, what he was doing is he went to, to transact business. You see? And so she knew she, he wasn't going to be back in a, in a short period of time. So he has taken a bag of money with him. At full moon, he will come home. Now, was he gone a couple of hours? Was he gone? How long does it take a full moon to, to get 
to, to go around, you know? Well, uh, looking up on the internet, it takes about 29.5 days for, to get from a new moon to a new moon, okay? Now, we don't know what phase it was in when she said he, he won't be back to a full moon, but we know he was gone a long time. So this fella then, she was trying to tell this fella, you don't have nothing to worry about tonight, you know? He's not coming back tonight, you know? See? In other words, I, I, I use this, this, this verse only to show you that people transact the business that way. They left home and they went for a long journey because they wanted to uh, sell and they want to exchange things so they can make money. And sometimes they won't go on a month. And this person in James said they're going to go a year and do these things. Proverbs 27.1 Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Is that true or not? That's yeah, true. Yeah. In Psalm 39, 4 and 5, it says, Lord, make me know my end and that and what is the extent of my days. Let me know how transit I am. Behold, thou hast made my days as a hand breath and my lifetime as nothing in thy sight. Surely every man at his best is a mere breath. Is it telling us something? Psalm 102:11. My days are like a lengthened shadow, and I wither away like grass. See, what he's saying is what we're saying here, and what James is trying to tell him. You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. So don't start making these plans without God. And in verse 15, it says, Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will have and we will live and also do this and that. In other words, this is how we need to involve God in everything. Okay, we need to pray. We need to, we need to um, ask him what he wants us to do. But we also need to say, if, if the Lord wills, if the Lord wills. Now see, Paul recognized that any future plans might have been subject and might would be subject to God's will. So let's look at Acts 18, 21. It says, but taking leave of them saying, I will return to you again. Now if he were left like that, he left God out. But he says, if God wills. So he said, sail for Ephesus. Paul understood that he moves and flows by the power of the Holy Spirit. He moves and flows because God is in this thing. He does nothing unless God wills it. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 7. For I do not wish to see you now just in passing, for I hope to remain with you for some time. What's the next four words? Okay, if the Lord permits, or if the Lord wills. This is coming from a great man of God 
And so we need to take note of what he's saying. He understood, even though we're talking about Paul, James is telling them the same thing. People don't make plans. Don't make plans and leave God out. God is the one who determines whether you will be at work tomorrow, whether you're going to do this, whether you're going to do that. Somebody asked yourself, you know, uh, uh, what you going to do this summer? Oh, we're going to go to the beach, man. We're going to go down here. We're going to do this. We're going to do this and do that and do that and do that. And God is not in it a lot of times, you know, in our words. You know, you might have been prayed about and all like that, but they don't know. So what do we do? At one time, Christians <laughs> used to, uh, even in their correspondence with people, they would write letters to people. And they, they would use the Latin words, Dio volenti, which means, and, and they, they, they put the letters D period, V period, like capital D period, capital V period. You know, like if you see on, a, on an invitation, RSVP, that means to do what? You respond. And that's, it's, I think that's French, isn't it? And it tell you, uh, what does it say? What, what, who knows French in here? What does it say? Okay. And that means to please respond, right? Please respond. Okay. Well, see, they put D period, V period. Capital D, capital V period. And what does that mean? It means if the Lord wills. That's what they did in correspondence. Yeah. Now, I know some of you now, when you, when you write letters, you're going to put down at the end... Uh, hey, uh, children, I, we will be there Thanksgiving, D period, V period. And then they're, they're going to say, what is this, you know? It's Latin. God willing. God willing. I'll be there, you know. Isn't it God willing? Yeah, it's God willing. <laughs> Some readers of this epistle in their pride, did not acknowledge any dependency on God. James 4.16 But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. That's what he says. And to boast means that, you know, like you, you, you glory or you re- rejoice in your arrogance. You know, you, 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 what you're doing is you're, your pride and vain, you, you do, you're vain glorious in your pursuit of honors, glory, splendor, the splendor of this life. Whether it be by dress, whether it be by home, whether it be furniture, food, clothes. He said, you, you're boasting. You, you're glorying. You're rejoicing in arrogance. And that's evil, he's saying. So, what I, always think about doing is let's prevent that. Let's prevent making plans without God. Let's practice having a way that we can always be assured that we have done all we can to put God in this thing. So uh, I put together what I call the uh, seven principles of making a decision. The seven principles of making a decision. And it was started for me, and it started off with, as the the title of it was, the harbor-like principle. And we had three principles, which is called the harbor-like principle. But I added four more to it because 
I wanted it be, to be a little bit more complete based on how I saw scripture reading. And I tell people that I've never been on a ship. Uh, well, I did go on a ship, but I, did, I never, I've never been at a harbor to see a ship come in. But I have been at the airport to see planes come in at night. And when planes come in at night, they have to line up between the lights on the runway. Is that true? And if they are coming, if the pilot is coming in and the lights are going that way and he's coming this way to land, he's in deep trouble, isn't he? So you got to stay between the lights. And so I said, I like the, you know, the airplane landing principle, but really it's neither one. Really, there are seven principles of making a decision, okay? Whether I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do, I need to pray about this thing, okay? And some people make decisions, and they don't. Uh, they, everybody just about that's a Christian, truly Christian, they'll pray. But most of us will pray to ask God to bless our plans, rather than asking God what the plans, His plans are for us. There's a difference. There's a difference. Okay. So one of the things that that I say do is that when you're making a decision, a decision, make sure. Number one, make sure that that decision lines up with the Word of God. If it does not line up with the Word of God, it's not going to be on your screen, okay? If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, but you have some lines on your uh, paper, write them in your Bible. Uh, matter of fact, mine is written in my Bible. I, ha- I have certain things written in my Bible. Y'all should practice. You know why they put paper in Bibles? I mean, I'm serious. They put they put a uh, uh, plain paper in Bibles, and they don't put it in there just to be putting it in there. I said that they had to put it in there because they knew that I won't remember stuff. So I put stuff there. I got my my seven priorities of life there. I have my harbor light principle there. I have virtues that I want to make sure. I have a lot of stuff there. I have pen on this side. Uh, things that uh, uh, my mentor told me to do. I must do to go to a higher level. I, I put down things that Michael Fletcher, who, who's uh, you know the leader of Mount of Church, who I put down what he said when I was with him, uh, things that he would do again if he had to do it all over again to make sure. So I put those down there. I put things that I need to do. I, I you know, put that there. Uh, how I must discipline myself and, and manage my time better. I put all those things there. Right in your Bible. Right in it, you know. Because you're not going to have your notebook with you all the time, but most people have the Bible. And, and sometimes you're going to want to tell somebody something that, that God has told you. And they say, well, well, how do you make decisions? You say, I remember, I, I, I got that, that message somewhere home, somewhere, you know. And we can't find it because it wrote it on a piece of paper. We don't know where that piece of paper is, you know. Okay, well, I put it in my Bible, those important things. So the first thing is to make sure that it lines up, come on, okay, with the Word of God, with Scripture. It's got to line up with Scripture. If it doesn't line up with Scripture, don't do it. It's not God. I can tell you that. It's not God. Okay? The second thing is that you want the Holy Spirit to witness with your spirit. Okay? That's very important. The Holy Spirit's witness with your spirit. That's, that's kind of uh, tricky, but... Uh, I'm not teaching on the seven principles, seven principles of making decisions. I'm just telling you about them today. Okay, so uh, that's one. Your Holy Spirit needs to witness with your spirit, and please don't don't think that if something 
easy. It's not necessarily easy, but it's not necessarily hard. You need to put them all together, and, and you can tell when the Holy Spirit is witness with your spirit. Okay? I'm not talking about what you want to do witnessing with your flesh. Okay? It's got to be the Spirit of God. And you can tell the Spirit of God when you, when you put all these together. Okay, another one, a third one, is a pass by godly counsel. And most people, most people, you know, they, they'll do that. They'll pass it by godly counsel. So number one was? Number two? And number three? Pass by godly counsel, okay? That, that doesn't work unless you put the other four with it now, I'm going to tell you. Okay? doesn't work good. Okay? The fourth one is that you must have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, you must have one. Okay? Because if you don't have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, you're going to miss God more than you hit him. I guarantee you. Guarantee you. Okay? Get up-to-date one. I'm not talking about know that there's a God. You know, I'm not talking about that now. I'm not talking about just come to church. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about having an intimate relationship with the one who saved your soul. Okay? That's four. What's number one? Number two? Number three? Number four? Okay. Now, you don't have to have... uh, all of them in order except the first one. The first one you got to have first. If you pass by godly counsel and it's not even in the word, you know, that I don't think that's going to be good, you know. I think it's the best thing is to do is to find out whether it's in the word or not, whether it agrees with scripture or not. That's the first thing. But the rest of them, it doesn't matter whether it's in order or not. I'm just giving you seven, okay? Five would be you must walk in humility. Okay, so I write on my Bible, I just write humility. That keys to me that I need to be a man of humility. I don't need to be a man of pride because I already know that God, that's, that's in James. Remember we talk about God does what? Resist the proud and he gives grace to the humble. So if I know that God going to give grace to me, then, and he's giving, giving grace out, I need to get in a place where grace going gonna to hit me. Okay, so that means that I need to be in humility and not in pride. If I'm in pride, I know he's going to resist me, and I know I'm going to be missing him more than I hit him because he's resisting me. I don't want to be seeking God and he resisting me. Do you? No, you don't. Okay? Number one. Number two. Number three. Number four. Number five. Number six, be under authority. Very important. Very important. You cannot be, listen to me, you cannot be in rebellion against the authorities that God has set in order or in a rebellion to God himself and expect to hear from God like you should. You know? Okay? Now, obviously, God speaks to you when you're in rebellion. Otherwise, you'll never repent. Okay? But I'm talking about seeking God for answers for your daily life. 
You're not going to receive answers like you should if you're in rebellion against authority. And you should be able to tell your children that, uh, those of you who are married and those of you who are single, when you have children, you should, you should be able to tell your children that, look, you need to understand that you need to honor and obey your parents because this is right in the Lord and, and it's going to lead to uh, the good things in your life. You can live long. Your days will be prosperous. But if you rebel against against us who God's put in authority, you're not going to have it well, you know. And you need to make sure you're sowing seeds now for that. Because don't don't think that you're going to sow seeds of, 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 of rebellion and then your children going to walk in obedience. It doesn't work that way. Okay? So, one, you say, why are you keep going on? You think you're in school or something, man? You know? <laughs> now, it's, it's important. It's important, you see? Because, see, when we, th- when we get through, you know what I'm going to do, don't you? I'm going to call on somebody, you know? And I haven't rehearsed it. I haven't called on anybody uh, beforehand. I didn't email anybody. I didn't do anything. I'm going to just call on you, okay? And you say, well, I'm not going to answer. I'm going to be in rebellion. Okay. <laughs> Fine, you know? Fine. It's important. If so many Christians make very poor decisions and sabotage their life, and then they expect that then they want to blame God, you know? They want to blame somebody else. No, you, you got to make, learn to make the right decisions. We're trying to help you make the right decisions because it has something to do with here that when we say that uh, you're not going to just make decisions. Without God, you got to put God in it, even in your correspondence or whatever you're doing. Put God in this thing. I'm trying to help, help us as a congregation learn to seek God and do the best we can to hear from him. And when I do these things, and believe me, I do these things. I do these things. Because there's no way in the world I'm going to try to lead you to a place that I don't even know where God wants to go. They'll be dumb, wouldn't it? So I have to I have to do these things, you know. And when I, after I do them, and somebody said, "Well, that decision you made that was not a wise decision," I said, "Well, look, I've done the best I ever I could. You know, I'm, I'm making sure I, I made sure it was in in the Word of God. Is it against the Word of God? No, it's not against the Word of God. It's just a dumb decision." I said, "Wait a minute." I said, "Look, the Holy Spirit was witness of my spirit. I passed by God's accounts. I got men." Women around around me who 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 helped me to uh, I pass this thing by. I, you know, I'm, I'm under authority. I pass it by my mentor and everything like that. I try to do everything I possibly can. I have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, man. I spend time with Him, trying to, uh, you know, repent when I'm in sin and all those type of things. I try to be in humility because I I ask for forgiveness when I'm wrong, you know. And I try to surely be uh, sensitive to the Holy Spirit all the time because. Um, and not being proud because sometimes when I'm wrong, I don't want to say I'm wrong, but the Holy Spirit, he's, he, he's nudging me and said, look, pride is a, is a bad thing. So I said, so I had to humble myself to my children, to my wife. It doesn't matter. I got to humble myself because I want to be a man of humility. So I'm trying to walk in these things myself, okay? The last one is have a prayer partner. You can do all these things. And you don't have somebody praying for you, you'll still be missing it more than you should hit it. I'm telling you. You need people praying for you. 
so when something's important up, you know, I got to have somebody praying for me. I go into important meetings, I got to have somebody praying for me. Because it's very important that I hear from God, even during the time that I'm having a meeting, because you can't, you can't have everything all arranged and all outlined what you're going to say because you don't know what they're going to say. You don't know anything. So you had to depend upon being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. So I had to have people praying for me. So let's go over to seven. We said one was it had to make sure it lines up with the Word of God. Right? Uh, another one we said we had to want the Holy Spirit to witness with our spirit. We said we want to pass by godly counsel. That's different now from being an authority. Passed by God, a counselor can be, you know, your, your friend, your, you know, your, your, your girlfriend, your, you know, you know, because girls, ladies talk to ladies, you know, you, you have, have somebody mentor you and stuff like that. You, you, that's different, okay? And you want to have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. That was four. We said that um, you also want to be a person in humility. You want to be a person that uh, is under authority. An authority, whether it be uh, the civil authority, whether it be uh, the uh, authority that in the church, whether it be authority in the home, be under authority. Don't be rebellious against authority. That's, that's going to hinder you. Okay. And then we said also you need to have a prayer partner. Is that seven? Okay. That's what we said you need to have. That's why I don't shoot those groundhogs because I know that Jack told me that it's a law against. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, wh- wh- what do you call it, Jack? Okay, launching a projectile. You know, <laughs> I said, well, suppose I have a pellet gun. You know, is that a projectile? Is it going to project? Yes, a BB gun is a projectile. Slingshot is a projectile. Okay, what can I do? Pray. <laughs> You're in the city. <laughs> but, I, but I did talk to somebody in the county and they said I'll come and shoot them I said, I said but yeah but they, it's in my yard and the neighbors might tell, tell the police that you know and then you're going to tell the police I told you to do it then y'all, go, then y'all had to bring me you know uh, sandwiches and stuff chicken and so when I'm in jail <laughs> I don't want to do that so. so because it's easy to shoot them because I see him. It's easy to I hate him. I hate him. Can't you, can't you tell? I hate him. <laughs> but God didn't say that I had to love the groundhog. He said, I, got, <laughs> I can't speak against one another. The groundhog is not a one another. It's an it. You know? <laughs> it's an it. Uh, so this, this is what I'm trying to tell you, how he's telling us in, in James here that we got to include God in making a decision. You think it's not pride, but it is pride. It's, it's pride if you think you can do something without God. Okay? Now, verse 17. Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. See, we have sins of commission and we have sins of omission. And so sometimes we know what we should do. We know what we should do, but we just don't do it. Is that right? That's omission. Then we have sins of commission. 
We know we shouldn't do this. We, I mean, we just know we shouldn't do this. But we do it anyway. Okay? We do it. We know it's wrong, but we're going to do it. How many know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. If we, either one, we're going to be judged by, by God. Either one or both. And what God wants us to do is to say, look, I want you to walk in humility. I don't want you to walk in pride. Let's close with one example, uh, biblically. I just like biblical examples uh, because um, I know you don't want to keep hearing about the ugly groundhogs in my yard. Yeah. In Ruth, um, the book of Ruth, which is written during the time of Judges. And in Judges, there's a scripture that sums up Judges. Is that in those days, there was no king in Israel. And every man did what was right in his own eyes. That sums up Judges. Sums up Judges. Because theologically, you, when you read Judges, you'll know that, my goodness gracious, you know, that God is not very pleased with his people when they are rebellious against him, when they are faithless, he's not very pleased. And it leads to oppression, and it leads to death, it leads to hurt and harm. When we read Judges, that, that, that's the whole essence of Judges. When they were doing what was right in the, their own eyes, God was displeased. He sent an enemy against them. And then they complained, moaned and groaned, and so he raised up a judge. And so and they, they'll straighten up. The judge will deliver them from their oppressors. They'll straighten up while the judge is living. The judge will die, and then they'll, they'll go right back to the same thing. He had to raise up another judge. And sometimes they had two judges that was in, uh, at the same time because you had different places in Israel. That was the same thing was going on. Now, in Ruth, was, Ruth was written during that time. So we pick it up in the first chapter of Ruth. We want to read a couple of uh, verses here to give you a gist of what I'm talking about, making decisions. And we're talking about making decisions. We're talking about James chapter 4, verse 13 through 17. And it came about in the days when the judges governed that there was a famine in the land. Why do you think it was a famine in the land? We said it was doing the judges now. During the time of judges. What's happening during the judges? People were rebellious against God. They were not faithful. They were, they were uh, worshiping idols. They were not being obedient to what God was doing. So God's automatically going to oppress them. He's going to send somebody to oppress them. He's going he to get their attention. So one way of getting somebody's attention is cause a famine in the land. If there's a famine in the land, people go hungry. People get upset when they go hungry. Is that right? Right. When we start teaching on, on fasting, I'm going to wear my shield <laughs> and my armor because I know, you know, that you're going to get angry, you know, because I'm saying fast eating. You say, oh, no. And a certain man of, the, of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the land of Moab with his wife and two sons. 
Now, did everybody leave, leave Bethlehem and Judah? Are we supposed to leave when the God is not in this place? Bethlehem, Judah. God's not in this place. We're going to just leave. We'll go somewhere where God is. We'll go to Moab. Now, Moab, man, go, come on. Come on. He ought to know that Moab was a terrible, terrible that idolatry going on. I mean, it was the worst kind of idolatry. They, they were terrible. But he went there because they had food there. But the thing to do when, when, when we see a famine, when something's coming against what uh, the scripture says, in other words, we know that God's our provider, isn't it? God is not providing, something must be wrong. So if something's wrong, I need to find out what's wrong and straighten it out. I don't need to run from what's, what, where the situation is because that's not going to solve anything, is it? Not going to solve anything. Now that's a hint in anything in your life. When things start going wrong, don't run. Just find out what's wrong from the root cause. Now we know that we know the manifestations might be one thing, but that might not be the root cause. We find out what the root cause is. Then we say, God, we need to repent. Also, Judges shows you how, how faithful God is. Even if people are doing what's wrong, which they did a lot in Judges, he still raised up a judge for them, didn't he? He still delivered them, didn't he? God is good, isn't he? God is just waiting for us to repent when, when we're wrong. When we see something not going according to his word, all we have to do is to find out God, we fall on our face. God, tell us what's wrong. Tell me what's wrong in my life so I can straighten up. And then those who are around me can straighten up. And then, then they might catch the fire. They straighten up. And God, we have a straightened up place. Whether it be our home, whether it be our church, whether it be our workplaces, whatever the situation is. The name of the man <clears throat> was Elimelech. And the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Mahon and uh, Chilion, Ephratites in Bethlehem in Judah. Now they entered the land of Moab and remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They took themselves Moabite women as wives. The name of one was Opah, and the name of the other Ruth, and they lived about there about ten years. Then both Mayan and Chilion also died, and the women, and the woman was bereaved of her two children and her husband. Things didn't go well, did it? Then she arose with her daughters-in-law, and she that she might return to the land of, from the land of Moab, for she had heard that the land of Moab, in the land of Moab, that the Lord had visited his people and was giving them food. God was going to give them food anyway, wasn't it? Anybody know that? Anybody know that God, if you read the Bible, you know that God is not going to let you suffer but so long. Because he knows that we're just dust and that we can't take but so much. So he's going, he's going to intervene. So all we have to do is learn how to persevere. That's what James is trying to teach us all the time. Consider all joy, uh, brother, when you encounter various trials because we know that the trying of our faith works what? Endurance. Let endurance have its perfect work that you may be perfect and tired and wanting nothing. Right? Y'all know the scripture. 
7. So she departed from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on her way and re to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go return, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt uh, with the dead and with me. May the Lord grant that you may find rest, each in his own uh, each in his house, her own husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, but we will surely return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return, my daughters. Why should you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that I may uh, uh, be that they may be your husband? Return, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. And if I said I have hope. If I should even have a husband today, tonight, and also bear sons, would you therefore wait until they are grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is harder for me than for you. For the land of the Lord, the hand of the Lord has gone forth against me. And they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Opal kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Then she said, Behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth says, Do not urge me to leave you or to turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. For where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me. She didn't say, your Lord. She said, thus may the Lord do to me. And worse, if anything but death parts you and me. And when she saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. I read all of that because that's what we need to be saying to, to the Lord. Lord, I don't care what's going on. I don't care about this famine. I don't care about this happening right here, all these things happening in my life. I don't care, Lord. I'm going to cling to you. Wherever you are, that's where I'm going to be, Lord. And, and if you have taken your hand from us at this particular time, my family at this particular time, I'm still going to cling to you because I know you are a faithful God. You're not going to uh, forsake me. You're not going to leave me. So therefore, I'm going to hold on to you, God. I'm not going to let go. Where you go, I go. Where you stay, I stay. And if you're going to die, I'll die. If you live, I'm living. And you live forever. So therefore, God, I'm here. What do you think he's going to say? He's going to say, man, it's angels. Go, go, go for refresh that person. They got faith, you know. They got faith. You got to, you got to, you got to persevere. You got to be like Jacob. When when Jacob wanted a name change, he wanted something different. He wanted something different. He said, "I'm gonna hold on to you until you bless me." Simple as that. And, and Jacob was a, a deceiver. Come on, you know. He said, "I'm not going anywhere." You know, Esau killed me. I'm, I want to change, man. I don't want to be the same. And so he held on, and he said, he, so, so Lord blessed him, you know, changed his name. That's what we need, isn't it? We need to hold on. So the, to sum up the message today, we said that we are going to make sure that we include God in everything that we do. Everything we do. We gave you seven principles of doing that, okay? And you know the way I am, don't you? You know... If I said I'm going to call on somebody, 
That means that I'm going to call on somebody, right? But you know also how gracious and merciful God is, don't you? So you know, Stella, why are you looking like that? You're not even smiling. You're not looking at me. You, you, you're saying if he calls on me, I'm going to hit him, you know? <laughs> but I'm, I'm, see, you know I wouldn't call on somebody that's going to embarrass him, right? Because God wouldn't embarrass you, right? You know I would never embarrass you. So if anybody want to come up and give him the seven, okay, come on up, bro. And you think, that's one of his, his round table members. He, not, he already told him, and that's why he called me. No, no, no. I called him this morning. I did not get him. I left a message, but it had nothing to do with this, this right here, did it? I have to confess, I didn't hear a word you said after you gave the seven principles because I've been sitting there trying to get him in order. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe this, man. I can't believe this. That good message, man. All right, now I got a good speech. But but you know what? But you know what? You're honest. Yeah. You're honest. You're repentant. You're (laughs) repentant. I I forgive you. Do y'all forgive him? Okay. All right. right, I want to go with this airplane landing theory. Okay. Okay. So we got to be in line with God's word. So we want to be hitting his runway. We're going to hit the lights, right? All right. right, Then we want to make sure that we are have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So we're going to make sure that we're flying air Jesus. All right. Good. Good. So then after that, we want to make sure that we're in line with the Holy Spirit. So we're going to let the Holy Spirit be the air traffic control. They're bringing the plane in. All right. Oh, my goodness gracious. So after that, we want to make sure that we are under authority. So the authority is going to be the pilot. The pilot's the one that's driving the plane. He's taking us down. We're going wherever he's taking us Mm because that's where we're going. He's under, we're under this authority. So then after that, we want to, we want to have godly counsel. And the godly counsel is going to be our flight attendant. She's going to be telling us what to do. And I, I tried to envision Sam as a flight attendant, but I couldn't quite do that. <laughs> so uh, we want to make sure we're in humility. So we're being in humility, walking in humility, we're going to listen to what our flight attendant tells us. When she says sit down and buckle up, we listen. We sit down and we buckle up. Okay. And lastly, we want to make sure that we make friends on our flight. So we want to have a prayer partner. Woo! Go ahead home. <laughs> Praise God. Man, he's, he's very visual. Hey, write, you know, write down, email that to me. I like that, man. I'm putting that in my Bible. I like that, man. That's good, man. That is good. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you, Father, that you are so good and that you are, through James, Lord, you're letting us know the areas that we need to kind of straighten up a little bit, Lord, kind of order a little bit so that we can receive more of your blessings, Lord. Father, in the olden days, you would send prophets to to let Israel know where they were missing it, and if they listened to the prophet, prophet, they would be blessed. They would receive a prophet's reward. And Father, today, we want to listen to what James is telling the church, those 12 tribes who were scattered abroad. You love your people, Lord, and you wanted them blessed, Lord. You didn't want them walking in partial blessings. You want them walking in full blessings. So we thank you and we praise you for that, Lord. We receive what James is saying, Lord, that in anything that we do, we want to include you. We want to to pray and seek your face on things before we make decisions, Lord. And once we make those decisions, we want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit that you may change those decisions because even as as 
Paul was going places, the Holy Spirit would will, will prevent him from going into this city. So he had to go to, to another city. Then you'll speak to him in a dream. And, and you, he'll hear somebody saying, come over to Macedonia. Father, he was led by the Spirit all the time. We want to be led by the Spirit. Yes, we're going to pray. Yes, we're going to seek your faith. But yes, we're going to continually be in tune with the Spirit of God, Lord. Because we're including you in every step of the way. Every mile that we drive. Every place that we go. We thank you for that, Lord. If anyone here that has not given their life to Jesus Christ, it starts there because if you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, there's no way that you're going to be on our Jesus. No way. Is anybody here that haven't given their life to Jesus Christ and you said, today I would like to do that. Would you raise your hand and put it back down? We'd like to pray for you. Anybody here that hasn't given your life to Jesus Christ? Is there anyone here today that you say, you know, I've given my life to Jesus Christ, but, you know, I'm not really walking the way I should. I'm not including him in everything. I'm doing some of my thing. Oh, yes, I acknowledge him in some things, but I do my things more than I should. Would you pray for me? If anybody like that, just raise your hand and put it back down. We'd like to pray for you. I see your hands. Thank you. Father, you've seen the hands of the people. And we pray that, Father, you will meet us at our need. We have a need of you, Lord. We have a need of you intervening in our lives, Lord. We have a need, Father, of you orchestrating all of our plans. We have a need of you, Lord, being with us even as we think we hear what you say, Lord. We want to know that, Father, our ears are open always, just in case, Lord, we have to just miss the little bit of directions. You can give us further direction, more specific directions, and we can make a turn. Because you see with the roadblocks, you see the road constructions up ahead. You see all the things, or it's all this traffic where they had an accident on I-95, and we don't want to go that way and be detained an hour. We can go 85 and, and go around that thing, Father. So we're sensitive, even though you told us to go to Virginia Beach. We know how to get there, but you can change our direction, Lord. We're sensitive to you, and we thank you for it in the name of Jesus.